and you won't hear me. So, uh, the topic I got for, for today, or we're starting a whole new chapter, Real Wisdom for Real Life. So Stuart obviously picked the most wise person here to do the first topic. A man so wise, he wants to use wrapping paper to change his baby rather than a changing mat. Worked brilliantly. So, <laughs> so the, the kind of verses, uh, the book we're looking at is Ecclesiastes, and I've been given the topic of a time for everything. So looking at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 14. So if you turn to it in your Bible, if you have one, they should be on the screen behind me. Uh, oh, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 14. So I'll read it anyway, and if it comes up, it comes up. So a time for everything. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to, to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil, this is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does this so people will fear him. Perfect. So, pretty, pretty powerful verses. Uh, start, at least, personal favorite of quite a lot of people. They're used a lot in churches, a time for, for doing certain things, and they were JFK's favorite verses. I know from my PowerPoint is good to go. Never mind. Uh, JFK's favorite verses. Boom, there we go. Look at that. Perfect. Uh, so, everything in its season. And the first point I want to draw out of this is... Our lives are split into seasons. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you're the richest man in the world or the poorest man in the world. Doesn't matter if you're tallest or shortest, fattest, thinnest, oldest, youngest, doesn't matter. Everybody's life is split up into seasons, as just demonstrated. And more than that, as Christians, I think we tend to split it into two seasons. We go, we go, we say we have a good season and we have a bad season. And that that's really it. But the reality is there are so many more. And some of them seem very, very serious, like a time to die and a time to be born, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to love and a time to hate. They're really, really passionate and really evocative and really serious things. And in the same verse, you get some that maybe aren't seen or don't seem so serious in their, their seasons. So uh, a time to keep and a time to chuck away. It's a particularly useful verse for me when I'm arguing with my hoarder wife about what we should have in our house. <laughs> you know, uh, a time to, to uh, whatever, what's the other one I have? I can't find it now. Uh, uh, where am I? Uh, a time to embrace and a time not to embrace. 
uh, again, I'm not fully embracing most of the time. That's my season throughout life. But apparently, uh, you know, it changes. The long and short of it is that all of our lives, every day of our lives, fall into certain seasons. And these affect how we behave throughout our lives. The second section of the verses deals with God is all-powerful and sovereign over everything. These verses aren't meant to give us a, a feeling of superior, superiority. Ecclesiastes as a whole is a great book for perspective because it does a wonderful job of putting your life in perspective when compared to God. You've got to bear in mind this book is written by Solomon or supposedly written by uh, Solomon. The, the balance of probability is that he wrote it. A man who was incredibly wise and incredibly rich. And at the same time, this book, if you don't interpret it correctly, can be quite depressing because it puts our lives in perspective. Nothing we do can uh, add, to the, add to the universe or add to God's creation or take away from it. It doesn't matter how big we build the castle, it eventually crumbles. We as humans spend our entire lives stri striving for that kind of meaning, for that, uh, that the, something that will endure forever. Uh, the, the stories of a uh, story of Achilles, I mean, hopefully most of you here have had your classical training, you're up on uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey and everything like that, and you know the story of Achilles, a man who is an all-powerful warrior and he's given a choice before he goes to Troy. And he's given the choice that he can either live out the rest of his days, happy, grow to old age, but not have his name known forever, or he can go to Troy where he will die and have his name known forever. And it's in all of our hearts that we want to endure. We want to have something that goes on forever. And so he goes to, a, a, goes to Troy and chooses death because he wants his name remembered forever. And the truth is, as time passes, more and more of us forget his name so there's nothing we can add to this universe and nothing we can take away. So having established that we have these seasons, what's the, what's the, what's the point of them? What's the point of having these, these seasons? Seasons give our life meaning and give us a place in time. They're, they're given by God for each of us. The issue is quite often we don't necessarily like the season we're in. We spend a lot of time wishing we're in a different season. For some of us, we fall into the trap of living in the past. We think back to however many years ago when things were really, really good. How many times have you had it said, or have you said, in the good old days? It's, it's in the common vernacular now. In the good old days, I remember when I was at school, yeah, we used to respect our teachers. I remember when I played football, we used to respect the ref. I remember distinctly being 24 and thinking life couldn't get any better. I'd just had promotion at work, I'd just met my future wife, I'd just moved into a big lovely flat, and there are times now at three in the morning when my baby is crying, that I wish I was 24 again, <laughs> with my own flat, no baby, and anything else to worry about. We often fall into the trap of living in the past because we don't deal with our current situation. God wants us to live in the present. It's no good thinking, wow, three years ago at Soul Survivor, I really worshipped God good. You know, that was a fantastic worship of God that I, that I did. And that still counts for now. 
He's called us to live in the present. At the same time, I don't know if you're like me, I am someone who plans quite a lot. Not necessarily in detail, but I have a set plan for my life. Uh, and if God would keep to it, that would be fantastic. So if I earn X amount of money, I can buy this car. If I do this, I can do that. My wife is very fond of saying, when we have our forever house, you can have that. Little does she know we're never going to get a forever house. Uh, you've heard of the phrase, wishing your life away. We spend a lot of our lives longing we were in a different season. How many of you wish right now something was slightly different? Wish you were ahead. You know, we spend all of our time as children wishing we're adults. And all of our time as adults wishing we were children. <laughs> it's, uh, it's frustrating to say the least. But God has called you for this specific moment. You're in this season for a reason. You know, there are times when there is a benefit to being single. And when you're single and you're living in that, that season, you can do certain things. You have a lot more freedom. There's no one else to respond to. Going on mission is drastically easier when you're single because you don't have to try and argue with someone else about why you should do it or persuade someone else you should go. At the same time, being married has a lot of benefits. If you're setting up a life group, quite often two of you working together can be beneficial. But we shouldn't spend our time wishing for the other state of affairs. The seasons are given by God, and you're in that season for that period of time. We are called to live in the present. Verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. You know, say, so don't say, in your time. You are called to act today. You are called to worship God today. You are called to live for God today. It doesn't matter what is behind us. It doesn't matter what's in front of us. You are called to act today. If God is calling you to something now, there's no point arguing. He doesn't want you to argue with him. He's calling you to go on mission now. There's no point going, well, in six months' time, I'll be this much richer which means I can give this much more to the mission, which means to meet this much better. If he's calling you to do something, he's calling you to do it now. And these verses clearly outline that everything happens in its season, and we're supposed to be doing stuff in its season. God has sovereignty over all of it. And the second set of the, set of the verses, so between 9 and 14, move on to God is sovereign over all. So having established that God has created the seasons and we're within these seasons, we then move on to God is sovereign and all-powerful over everything. We are nothing without God. As I said, it puts us drastically in perspective. Think about it. Nothing we can do can add to what God has created and nothing we can do can take away from it. Verse 14, right, yeah, no, that's, it. that's in verse 14. We are surrounded in a universe that not only shows off God's greatness, power, and sovereignty, but also puts our lives in perspective about how short it is. He writes that he puts eternity in man's heart, but nobody lives for eternity. You know, we live 
for a very short period of time. Like, if you're to scope just the entire span of creation, you're about that far on something that spans across the room. You have eternity set in your heart, but God created you to be mortal for a reason, to show the comparison. This highlights that we are nothing without God. Nothing we can do has an effect apart from choosing him. And in doing that, then God then gives us a purpose. He didn't just go, you know what, it's worthless, give up now, it's all, it's all useless. He actually gave us a purpose in these verses. Verse 9 says, uh, what do workers gain from their toil? It then answers it. He asks a rhetorical question and answer it, answers it uh, in verse 13. That, they may, uh, sorry, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toils. This is the gift of God. God gives us purpose in what we do. He says in the verse before, I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. God gives us purpose, not just in our, our daily work, but also in our, our lives. Those of us that do good feel that we're doing it with a sense of purpose. How many of you have, have helped someone and then felt good about it, felt like there's a purpose to your lives? We watch people, different people around the country, around different countries, different Christians who seem to have a great purpose to their lives. And the reality is their purpose is no different to yours. They just understand at that moment their calling. Our purpose in these seasons is to do good and live for God. Our purpose in these seasons is to bring praise and honor to God. How many people spend their lives looking for purpose? How many people want to be the fastest? How many people want to be the smartest, the cleverest, the best? How many times do you hear about a gifted person who has tortured genius, thrown away their lives looking for purpose? Because they haven't realized that their purpose is not in their ability, but in God. So, what can we take away from these verses? The first, and I think the most difficult point is learning to embrace your season. The seasons that are, that are given, some are, as I say, more serious, some are, some are less, easier, uh, less serious. Some are easier to understand, and some are harder to comprehend. We are called to live in our seasons and to embrace them, not to spend our lives wishing we were further along. Uh, it seems an easy thing to say, yes, be happy in your season. But the reality is for some of us, our we don't like the season we're in. We're not happy with it. We wish we were something else. I said earlier, as children, we always wish we were adults. And as adults, we wish we were children. We always wish there was something different. And this can lead to dissatisfaction with, with God. This can lead to us getting upset with God. Why am I in this season? Why is this happening? Why am I in this particular season? And instead of being happy and living our lives for God in these seasons, we rail against him. The reality is those that embrace their season, those that embrace the time they're, they're in, doesn't mean they're going to be in it forever, but those who embrace the time they're in perform better. I use the story of Joseph in the old Testament. Who knows the story? Everyone knows the story of Joseph, right? Good. 
Big loud yes, fantastic. <laughs> He's 17 when he gets beaten up by his brothers and sold into slavery. It's a rough start. It's then 11 years, or up to 11 years, where he is working in Potiphar's house as a slave. And in that time, he embraces the season he's in. He works his way up. He becomes a powerful man in Potiphar's house because he accepts the season that he's in. He wasn't born a slave. He was born in quite a good position. You know, he was one of the sons of Jacob. They had land, they had sheep, they had everything. He himself was blessed by Jacob. He got all of his, his clothes and stuff. Uh, but the reality is that the season changed and he moved into a new season and he still praised God and blessed God and was blessed in return. And then he's in Potiphar's house and again disaster strikes. He moves into a new season of his life. Potiphar's wife accuses him and he ends up in prison and still in prison. He is choosing to worship God. He is choosing to live in his season. And then he has the, the, the baker and the, the wine taster come to him and he uses his gift because he's embracing his season. And it's still two years after that before he is interpreting for Pharaoh and making the most of, of being in a new season that is blessed for him where he becomes the second or third most powerful man in Egypt. The point is, throughout it all, he embraced the season that he was in. It didn't mean it was easy for him. It didn't, didn't mean he necessarily enjoyed the season he was in. I imagine being in prison sucks, especially in ancient Egypt. I imagine they're a lot less friendly and cushy than they are these days. But at all points, he followed God. He believed in his relationship with God. And more importantly, he believed that he was in a particular season that God had put him in. And the call is for us to do the same. We don't necessarily have to love the season we're in. There is a, a strong chance that for a lot of you here, you're not in a very nice season. You don't enjoy it. Something has gone wrong. You're struggling with something. Uh, you know, work, life, your relationship with God, whatever. But we are called to embrace that season and to embrace God through that season. Even within the small things, there are certain bits that may go against you. However, at all times, embrace your season. Believe that God has a purpose. So, moving on to my, uh, my next point. I got ahead of myself there. Uh, understand that your purpose comes from God. If we read these verses, we understand the sovereignty of God. We understand his power, his might, and everything else. We also understand that he has gifted us purpose. Purpose in your life comes from God. We don't give God purpose. He gives us purpose. As I, as I previously said, he gives us purpose in our work. Verse 13, uh, and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. When you're working, there is satisfaction to be found. And working doesn't necessarily mean uh, going out to work every day. It means in all of your tasks, in anything you're doing, we are called to bring purpose to God. Uh, where am I? There was something I wanted. Forgive me, sorry. Ruth Graham had above her sink uh, saying, uh, a sign that said, divine service done here three times a day. 
for those that don't know, Ruth Graham was wife of Billy Graham. So her husband was going out every day preaching to millions. Raise your hand, this is interactive now, raise your hand if you've heard of Billy Graham. Fantastic. Now raise your hand if you've heard of Ruth Graham. Okay, more than I thought. You guys are much more educated than I am. Never mind. <laughs> my, point is, my point is, everyone's heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham had a big, big impact on people's lives. Doesn't mean he had any more purpose than Ruth Graham. Ruth, in her life, was serving God even in the menial task. The sign above the sink. I don't like washing up very much. I don't actually like cleaning very much. I enjoy making the mess. I enjoy cooking. I don't enjoy tidying up. But the reality is, if we're living with purpose from God, then even those tasks serve God and bring glory to God. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're thin, you're, you're, you're whatever. Your purpose, and the only way to find purpose, is through God. God has decided the seasons for you, has placed you in that season, and if you want purpose, then you need to understand that God is sovereign over it. And the final thing, in every moment of every season, we are called to act with purpose. It's very easy to say we should have purpose. It's very easy to say that we should be in a particular season and just accept it. It's much harder to live with purpose. Knowing God has given you that purpose is very hard to live with that. The reality is, in order to do that, we must submit our lives every day to Jesus. We have to understand that nothing we can do is going to have an everlasting effect, except for the choice to follow God. And if we are truly submitting to God, if we're truly submitting to him and understanding his purpose, and he's giving us purpose for our lives, then we will be living every moment for him, in the small things and in the big things. The devil does a very good job sometimes of persuading us that our lives don't have purpose. Oh, I'm 33, I don't own a house, I don't have a very good job, I've, I've wasted my life up to now. Oh, I'm, I'm 70. I never traveled. Therefore, my life has never had a purpose. The devil will try and convince you that you, you don't have a purpose, that you're in the bad season of your life because of you, and that you shouldn't embrace it, you should want change, and that you shouldn't accept uh, God's purpose, that you should be out of sync with God. But the reality is, a life lived for God, a life lived where you choose God, where you worship God, and where you honor God in every second of every day is a life with purpose. I don't want to sound like Dead Poet Society here, the Carpe Diem line, but we are called to live today, not for the future. The whole time you spend your life Wishing for the future or living in the past, you are missing God's gift today. Sometimes we do wish we were in a different season. Sometimes we wish we could go back and do something again. But that's not possible. 
Even if you had a time machine, you only go back to the present. Make sense? Yeah? <laughs> Even if you had a time machine, you go back to the present. You can't change the past and you can't make decisions based on the future. You can only worship God now. And that's what he calls us to do. If we understand that God is sovereign, if we understand that he has put us in our season, if he is with us in those seasons, and we embrace them, then we have purpose today. And that's the end. I had a, a bit of a different talk planned, and I, I changed it slightly, because I wanted to surprise Stuart and, uh, and Rob, and introduce a time of prayer at the end, because I feel that there are people out here now that are in a season that they're not enjoying, that some part of their life isn't coming together, or that they're, they're spending their time wishing they were in a different part, or they just don't realize that God has a perfect plan for their life, even if it's not the happiest plan for their life. And I want to have a time of response and a time of, of prayer, where if you want prayer, if you can come to the front, there'll be people that can pray for you in your, in your seasons. God has a purpose for your life, and God gives you purpose for your lives, but it means accepting where you are, embracing where you are. Not necessarily saying, I'm stuck here, and that's where I'm always going to be, but knowing that God has the plan for your life and embracing that. Thank you. So if you'd like prayer, if you'd like to come to the front, I will pray for you. Hopefully a couple of others will as well. And cool. Dave and team, can you have the band back up on the stage? Is that all right?